Hello, folks. Welcome to the Whoop Podcast. I'm your host, Will Ahmed, the founder and CEO of Whoop, and we are on a mission to unlock human performance. At Whoop, we build technology across hardware and software and analytics that's designed to understand your body. And this podcast is really an opportunity for me to interview individuals who are high performing professional athletes, coaches, trainers, high performing executives, you name it. And this is a special uh, week because we just got third-party validation. The University of Arizona, we are now published in the Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine. And it shows that WHOOP is the most accurate non-invasive sleep monitor on the market. Pretty excited about that. You know, we founded WHOOP in 2012. We always knew that accuracy was going to be pretty core to what we were trying to deliver. And this validation for us is is proof that it was worth investing all that time and capital and energy to make our product more accurate than other products. We gave up a lot in order to be more accurate. And so this episode between Kristen Holmes and Emily Capitalupo, they're going to talk about what a major milestone this was for us at Whoop, and they're going to talk in great detail about the study conducted by the University of Arizona. Effectively, researchers tested Uh, the WHOOP accuracy against the gold standard in sleep tracking, that's a test known as polysomnography, and found that WHOOP was excellent by comparison. It also found that WHOOP can actually improve sleep habits. So for those of you interested in your sleep or about sleep validation in general, I think you're going to get a lot out of this podcast. Uh, Kristen and Emily certainly deserve a lot of credit. They've poured years of time and energy and hard work into this research. So we're super thrilled with these results. And without further ado, here are Kristen and Emily. Hi, Whoop crew. Kristen Holmes, VP of Performance Science here at Whoop. If you didn't know it already, we care a lot about sleep. Sleep is the key to recovery and one of the best things people can do to improve their mental and physical health. It's vital that wearable devices are as accurate as possible considering the immense value of sleep and the widespread adoption of tools to track sleep. The bar should be high. It is kind of a historic moment here at WHOOP. In a recent study conducted by the University of Arizona Health Sciences Center for Sleep and Circadian Sciences show that WHOOP is, well, really good at sleep. (laughs) The results, which were recently published in the Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine, validate our sleep accuracy while also demonstrating the power of WHOOP to change behavior. Here to elucidate further is the architect of our sleep algorithms, Vice President of Data Science and Research, Emily Capitolupo. Hey, Kristen. Hi, Emily. This is really a watershed moment for WHOOP. Emily, you've been at WHOOP for seven years. Mm -hmm as the first employee. (laughs) So I don't think people recognize the significance of that. You've been here for, you know, just since the beginning and you have been grinding away in the most rigorous way imaginable to ensure the accuracy of our sleep. Talk a little bit about the process to kind of get to a point where we're in a position to enter into this validation process. Sure. So I think one thing that's you know, maybe our users don't fully understand. It's just the like how much goes into a validation study. So we actually started working with the University of Arizona on this particular study three years ago. Gosh, yes. Um, <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's been a really long time. I mean, we didn't start the actual data collection, obviously, three years ago, right? So for the the study itself, so just going back three years, first, 
you kind of have to form that partnership. Right. Uh, you go through like a legal process, uh, including something called getting approval by the Institutional Review Board or IRB. Because testing WHOOP requires testing on human subjects, even though WHOOP is completely safe, there are still, you know, really, really important legal protections for research done on humans. And so there's a lot of review and kind of back and forth and just process that goes through. So it takes months. Um, so that was, you know, before you even get permission to start doing the research. Uh, then you have to recruit subjects. Uh, in this particular study, uh, we recruited 34 subjects, 32 of whom ended up completing the protocol, uh, which was a 14-day protocol. And then all the data needs to be analyzed and then, you know, sort of written up and, and to create like a manuscript, which is like the, call it like a first draft of the publication. Uh, and then you go and you try and kind of basically shop that around to journals. And so different journals are kind of looking for different things, different topics. And so you have to find a journal who's interested in publishing your paper. Um, and then you go through a process called peer review, which basically uh, includes they send out uh, your manuscript typically to two other authors who are in your similar space and, you know, kind of experts in the field. And they give you back feedback. You have to respond to the feedback and you kind of keep going until everybody signs off that, you know, the paper as written is good science and should go out into the world. Uh, and then it has to get published. And so from, you know, when the study is completed until it exists in the world, which just happened for us about a week ago now, is months. And so in order to get this paper, which you might just seem like, you know, a couple of pages of validation. It's, it was three, three years of process in the making. But uh, I actually want to go back even further than that. Uh, so how did we even get to the point three years ago we were ready to kind of go down this validation pathway? You know, by the time we were sort of ready to go validate, you know, third party, this external validation that we did with the University of Arizona, we'd already done um, hundreds of internal validation studies. So we actually... Um, you know, we knew exactly what they were going to say before they said it. Um, the sort of value uh, that our members saw in getting a third party to validate it was, you know, if, if WHOOP says WHOOP is great, that sort of only carries so much weight. So, And um, being on the front lines of talking to partners, <laughs> I can tell you that everyone was really interested in this third party validation. Yeah, yeah. so we, we knew how accurate everything was and sort of had for several years before we went down this route. But just, you know, for different research opportunities and just expanding the, the sort of use case for WHOOP, it, it was important that, you know, some of those things get done in, in a sort of a more formal way. Right. But before that, we'd sent hundreds of people to uh, a local sleep lab uh, in the Boston area where they underwent polysomnography while wearing usually four WHOOP straps. <laughs> <laughs> we needed to make sure that we got lots and lots of data because these studies are also extremely expensive. And so they would do the sleep study and then we would take the data off of the PSG data and then the WHOOP data. And then we wrote these machine learning algorithms that trained WHOOP to recognize what WHOOP data looked like during different sleep stages. Because one of the things that's particularly challenging about any device that is trying to do sleep staging from the wrist is that, you know, these different sleep stages are defined by changes in brainwaves. Right. And you can't read brainwaves from the wrist. So you're measuring heart rate and heart rate variability and respiratory rate and movement, which are sort of all downstream correlates of what's going on in your brain, but you're actually not making a direct measurement of any of those things. It's just probabilities. 
No, it's like downstream markers, you know, okay. similarly to how like the EKG measures heart rate by measuring like the electrical conductivity. So literally like that, you know, an instruction was sent from the SA node to contract and then you measure the like contraction of the muscles and then ppg whoop uses right. measures blood flow right so it's right, just like right. a downstream effect okay. but there's noise that interferes you know anytime you're measuring a downstream effect of something instead of uh the thing itself there's an opportunity for other things to affect that downstream outcome right. uh and and you have to kind of clean those things out in order to like get to the original signal okay so whoop was actually built from the ground up all the way from the hardware to be optimized to get the most accurate heart rate data to get the most accurate sleep data that we possibly could and certain optimizations that we've made that we've from you know different uh studies that we've done over time have changed like the, everything from like the form factor of the wrist to even like the material of the band that to make it easier to get like a clean heart rate signal because you know from heart rate from the ppg signal on whoop we get you know the heart rate we get heart rate variability we get respiratory rate all of those things come from heart rate and so if the signal that the physical device is able to read is cleaner all of those things become more accurate so then the inputs to the sleep staging algorithm are cleaner and so that we're better able to stage sleep so so shout out to signal processing yeah for, just for sure skin optics i think and like <laughs> i mean all the things they have to count for to get a yeah so i think you know one thing that's sort of easy to not appreciate is that you know while this paper in so many ways looks like it's a validation of sleep it's really a validation of the whole platform and everything that goes into it because you know if you took our algorithms on a sort of less well optimized piece of hardware you'd get less good results right and so you know everything that sort of we'd been doing from you know when i joined whoop seven years ago we didn't even have a working prototype so (laughs) we weren't working on sleep back then kind of knew we wanted to but we weren't doing that yet and so you know we had to kind of mess around a little bit and try and fail and iterate uh to figure out how to get that that hardware optimized so we could optimize the signal processing algorithm that gets you know the heart rate signal so that we can get all the sleep pieces right which is why you know it's so exciting every time that um you know we're working on the next generation of hardware or next generation of the signal processing algorithm sort of the the ceiling of how accurate the sleep algorithm can be gets like raised to that next bar. So sort of three years ago when we finally decided to like go for it and to kick off this third party validation process, it was because we'd sort of reached the, the level as far as like the hardware uh, signal processing and then sleep algorithm that we, like we thought we needed to be at to go to market because you know this was also right around the time that we launched a consumer product. So Emily, why don't we just uh, outline the study design and methodology mm-hmm. quickly for for folks so they can really understand like what it was we were looking at? Yeah, so you know we keep saying sleep validation study, but it actually was a little bit more than that. Um, so the subjects actually wore whoop for two weeks. So it was, it was a fourteen day study. So they had two seven-week periods, and on that seventh night, so right in the middle of them, they underwent polysomnography testing, and I'll explain that in a moment. But it was sort of randomized whether or not um, you sort of did, were in the experimental group or the control group in the first or the second week. But in the if you were in the experimental group, you got the full user WHOOP experience, so sleep scores, um, you know, access to your data, recovery scores, all that wonderful stuff. And in the control week, you would report on your sleep quality and log your bedtimes and wake times, but you didn't wear whoop. 
what was really interesting about that sort of those two week periods where they didn't do the truth studies, there's no polysomnography testing, they did show that just by wearing WHOOP, uh, self-reported measures of sleep quality improved. And this is something that we talk about a ton. Uh, we, we see it over and over anecdotally with our clients that they report improving their behaviors and sleeping better. We also see it in the data that like over time, time in bed increases, sleep mm-hmm. consistency improves, you know, people start to practice better sleep hygiene because right. once Quality you start, improves. yeah, because yeah. once you start telling somebody this, like I say this all the time, but there's something really powerful about telling people that they're like getting a B minus in sleep yeah. and they hate it yeah. and then they improve. So it's like you have to quantify something in order to kind of know what you're trying to work on. And I, what I love about this is mm-hmm. that, you know, there's a lot of research out there that says, you know, wearing a sleep tracker is going to make you more anxious and, and mm-hmm. not, and, and actually hinder sleep, you know, and I just want to call that out that we see the opposite effect. And I, and I think, you know, it's a shout out to product in mm-hmm. terms of the UI and, you know, the design of, of the app and how elegant that is in terms of delivering feedback in a way that is really encouraging and, and helps you navigate the behaviors that are going to lead to better sleep. So it's not just telling you you're bad at sleep, but it's, hey, you do X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z, and you're going to get better results. So it's, it's I, think, I think we can, with the results, we can mm-hmm. kind of safely not bucket ourselves <laughs> with those other products that, you know, m- maybe increase anxiety around sleep. Yeah. And, and so I think like, you know, we, we set out really to kind of quantify the accuracy of WHOOP. And, and so this point was, you know, not really the, from our perspective, like the main objective of the study. But I actually think it's it's really worth talking about the fact that just seven days, which is most of our WHOOP users are on for, you know, months, months if not yeah. years. And so, you know, seven days, is such a short period of time. The fact that it's like, seems to be correlated with this improved uh, sleep quality is really a powerful result. Yeah, Yeah, like you said, I think it uh, shows the power of the product uh, and all the kind of good work that's gone into it. So uh, I definitely kind of want to highlight that finding because I think it is so interesting Uh, and and somewhat, I think, unique. I I don't think it's something that people think about as much. Like they think about quantifying everything, but just like the fact that, you know, we're really driving positive behavior change is special. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, I mean, that's, you know, if you, if you can, you know, I know we're talking, we're going to talk about how accurate we are, which Mm -hmm. is phenomenal, but, you know, let's say you're off on accuracy, you know, percent, you know, to the left or right. Mm -hmm. The fact that we're actually behavior, modifying behavior is to me, that's the, that's the keys to the kingdom, right? Like if you're actually modifying your behavior, Mm -hmm. that's in the end, that's, that's what you want to drive toward. Right. And and I think that's, that's, it's just an an unbelievable finding um, Mm -hmm. that I, I think really is an important piece of this validation study. Sometimes people ask me, like, okay, so, like, I know my sleep stages, you know, so what? Like, what am I supposed to do with this information? And I think, like, the data shows that there is something powerful that happens when you're informed. Yes, exactly. Uh, Yeah, even just, you know, seven days worth of being informed. Right, right. I want to talk a little bit about what a polysomnography is because we're going to throw that word around a lot when we talk about the sleep study. In a polysomnography testing, uh, subjects sleep in a laboratory and they simultaneously wear an EKG, which measures heart rate, an EOG, which measures uh, eye movement, so it's electrooculogram, an EMG, or electromyogram, which measures motion. So they actually measure like on your chin and they measure like grinding your teeth, stuff like that. And then also like uh, some 
sometimes on your legs for things like restless leg syndrome and stuff like that. And then in EEG, electroencephalograms, so that measures brain waves. And then sometimes PSGs will also include other sensors. Um, sometimes you get like pulse ox or SpO2 and respiratory rate and mm-hmm. breathing, things like that. And so we had these uh, 32 subjects do one night each of this PSG testing while wearing WHOOP and then compared the results of the polysomnography testing, which is the gold standard, to what what WHOOP's algorithms output. And we also measured the accuracy of WHOOP's heart rate, heart rate variability, and respiratory rate as compared to the gold standards collected during the polysomnography testing. And, you know, I think one outcome that was, you know, extremely exciting for us is that heart rate, heart rate variability and respiratory rate were all extremely accurate within one unit of truth on average throughout the sleep. Um, so it was really exciting that, you know, those, those are the inputs that our whole sleep algorithm is built on. So if those measurements weren't accurate, nothing else could possibly be as accurate. And then we also measured um, sort of our ability to detect sleep and wake, of course. It's our sleep validation study. And then uh, slow wave sleep and REM sleep and all of those uh, agreement to the gold standard was really, really high. Emily, uh, just to go back to methodology real quick, um, the fact that there were two scores, I think is really important mm-hmm. and relevant and just points to the rigor of the study. Can you talk about why that's important? I think one thing that's somewhat unusual about polysomnography testing, you know, we keep calling it the gold standard, which is true, but you would expect sort of something you might not expect about a gold standard measurement is that it's actually done by hand. It's an extremely manual process. Uh, So people go to school to become polysomnography technicians and they learn to sort of look at the sleep in 30 second chunks. And then they like manually based on the patterns that they're seeing that they've been trained to identify, classify the stage into the different sleep stages. So wake, light sleep, slow wave sleep and REM. And as you can imagine, with any subjective manual process, uh, two individuals, both experienced, trained in different labs, who score the exact same sleep, will agree on about 76% of the like epochs or those 30-second chunks throughout the night, which is pretty bad in the scheme of things. And so like what that kind of tells you is that there's a lot of sleep is sort of in this gray area that's maybe kind of not quite one sleep stage or another. And sort of physiologically, the the explanation for this is that it's not really true that sleep stages are these discrete categories. You're not either in slow wave sleep or light sleep. It's a spectrum. And so there's like lighter light sleep and deeper slow wave sleep. And then there's like this thing in the middle that's like deep light sleep or light deep sleep, you know, kind of. Um, right. And so when when you have two scorers and they're looking at sort of a, a light, light sleep or a deep, deep sleep, you know, they're much more likely to agree because it's, you know, kind of a clean or an easy case. And when you're right near that threshold where it's like kind of looks like light sleep and kind of looks like slow wave sleep, you're much more likely to get that disagreement where like one just happens to go one way and the other one happens to go another way. It's kind of like if you're looking at 
colors and you know somebody says like is this like red or, or blue it's pretty easy except then it gets to like purple and you have to pick one right because right. you're not allowed to call it purple you have to pick red or blue and, and so you're going to get disagreement and that's exactly what kind of is going on with these sleep staging and so the way that we got around this which is something other uh, similar studies have done in the past it's like a, a sort of recognized way of handling this problem is we had two people score the whole sleep mm-hmm. And then we looked at the places where the two scorers agreed and then compared WHOOP uh, to those periods of agreement because the sort of assumption is that in places where two humans disagree, then how could WHOOP possibly agree? Because we're only going to say one thing and they've said two different things, uh, so you can't win. Uh, But in places where the two humans agree, then it's sort of probably true or at least increases the probability by a significant amount that that was in fact, that sleep stage. Uh, and so WHOOP should probably get that right as well. Right. And so our comparison was done to the agreed upon periods of the sleep. So I think like one thing, you know, our members might be thinking like when listening to this is like, oh, does that mean that like, you know, it's wrong 25% of the time? Like is WHOOP incorrectly stating sleep? And I think that like, that's why you have to understand that it's a spectrum. So it's like, you know, if we call purple, Uh, red sometimes and blue the other amount of time then you know we might be a little bit wrong here a little bit right there so overall one of the things that the study looked at is like is there a bias or sort of are we calling it purple or red half the time and blue half the time such that it kind of like washes out in the total sleep time that we're calling slow wave sleep and the total sleep time that we're calling light sleep is still at least still correct so uh, in addition to like looking at each 30 second chunk and, and making sure we agreed with the consensus epochs from the two scores. We also looked at like over the whole course of the sleep, are we identifying like the same amount of total light sleep, slow wave sleep and REM sleep? Obviously it wouldn't be good if we had this bias and we were telling you like every night that you got 30 more minutes of REM sleep than you actually got, but it doesn't really matter if sort of like I started this period of REM sleep 30 seconds early and ended it 30 seconds early because you still get the same amount in the end. And just maybe just remind users, you know, what are the things that you're looking at to kind of stage the sleep? So our intervals, and you know, just kind of go through the the different things that we're looking at. Yeah. So um, so we look at the accelerometer a little bit. Most of the information that it provides is sort of redundant information we're already getting from the heart rate. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is just a movement. Associated, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The accelerometer yeah. measures just, movement. Yeah. Technically also position. And then we also look at, so from the our heart rate signal, the PPG signal, we derive heart rate, heart rate variability, and respiratory rate. Uh, And then from those four inputs, so the motion, heart rate, heart rate variability, and respiratory rate, we derive dozens of proprietary features that that then get passed to our machine learning algorithm, which sort of turns them into sleep stages. It's pretty cool to look at the graph, Mm -hmm. you know, because it really just shows how granular a view we're actually looking at the body in Mm -hmm. terms of what's happening physiologically and then being able to map probabilities, you know, based on, you know, where you sit across these different markers. Yeah. And and some of these markers, you can kind of just look at them, just plot them over time. And you can almost see the sleep stages, like respiratory rate tends to be a little bit lower and more even during slow wave sleep and like higher and more variable during REM sleep. And so you can almost kind of like see that change and be like, oh, like that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, And then some of the other features that we look at, you can't really see with the naked eye, but the, the algorithms are able to derive that information 
information right. from them. The fact that we can actually detect these different stages is just phenomenal. But also just the very simple fact that we know when you're awake versus when you're asleep. <laughs> so Emily, we've been obviously working on this for, for three years, waiting for the outcome. And you know, you've obviously been intimately involved in just transferring data and, and making sure they had mm-hmm. all the information that they need to be able to execute this. So it finally comes out. How do you, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really great to kind of see everybody's hard work, you know, formally recognized in this way. Again, like it's one thing when we do all of our own analysis and, you know, sometimes we go after specific populations and we have a lot of control over all of the internal validation that we do. And then we have this idea of like how good WHOOP is. But then when you go to do this like third party validation study, you almost have to like hand over your baby and like all the keys and then just trust that like everything you've been doing internally, you know, is actually going to kind of hold up in this world where you have no control over it to hand, hand these keys over to, you know, Dr. Sai and his team at the University of Arizona and then for them to publish and show that like everything that we thought about the product, you know, really does like stand up in this sort of rigorous test of its accuracy and performance was just, is just really exciting. Yeah. And, you know, we're also really excited. It feels like this new level, you know, for Whoop and for our members who are curious, you know, they invest a lot and you know, right. we want to be as transparent as possible with them. Uh, you know, they should know like where we're good and they should know where we're not uh, and where we're working to make improvements. And so I think it's a really exciting step forward in terms of transparency. You know, we encourage our members to ask questions and um, to hold us accountable. So, you know, please, please read the paper, ask questions about the paper. And we're not stopping here. You know, we're going to, you know, continue uh, down this path of doing research. I mean, it's core to who we are as, as a company and, and we just want to keep getting better and, and more yeah, accurate. I think, and, um, so, yeah. You know, one kind of maybe teaser to kind of leave them with is we've been working on this for three years, but it's not like we started working on this and then waited for it to finish or to do anything else. Right. So, we've got lots, uh, There's so. lots more in the pipeline. Yes. Um, you know, obviously we can't talk about all of it yet, but kind of stay tuned. I think there are a couple of fast follows that we're really yep. excited to talk about, you know, as they start to come out in the next couple months. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Emily, thank you so much. This has been really fun and uh, just, yeah, super pumped for, for what's next. Thank you. If you're not already a WHOOP member, you can join our community for as low as $30 to begin. We provide you with 24-7 access to your biometric data, as well as analytics across strain, sleep, recovery, heart rate variability, and more. The membership comes with a free WHOOPstrap 3.0. We offer 6, 12, and 18-month memberships. The more you sign up for, the more you save. If you enter the code WILLAHMED at checkout, that's W-I-L-L-A-H-M-E-D, we'll give you 15% off a membership just for listening to this podcast. And for our current members, you can upgrade to the Whoopstrap 3.0 and get access to all the new Whoop Live features by following the link in your Whoop app. If you're out of contract, you'll literally get the 3.0 for free when you commit to another six months. Check out whoop.com slash the locker for show notes and more, including links to relevant topics from this conversation and others. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Whoop podcast on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can find me online at Will Ahmed. I try to respond to everyone who reaches out. Uh, And you can also follow at Whoop on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can email thelocker at whoop.com with any thoughts, ideas, or suggestions you may have. 
Thank you again to all our listeners, to all our WHOOP members. We love you.